for the moms who raised us up, gave us love, and made us strong. For the praying moms who don't always know what to do, but always know who to talk to. For the hurting moms who've loved and lost, but never given up. For those who never got called mom, but who cared for us all like a mom would. For the young moms who became moms sooner than expected and gave it all they had. For the single moms who tirelessly and courageously learned how to do this on their own. For the stepmoms and the stand-in moms who rose to the occasion and loved us well. For the working moms, the stay-home moms, the cooking moms, and the takeout moms, thank you for teaching us how to walk, how to learn, and how to make a difference. For taking care of us when you barely had enough time to take care of yourself. For comforting us when we felt alone and afraid. For lifting us up when others put us down. For the rides, the meals, the laundry, and the birthday parties. For the years, tears, laughter, and love. It's not enough, but we want to say thank you. what we could never do for ourselves. We love you. We honor you. We remember you today. Happy Mother's Day. Well, happy Mother's Day, mamas. And I just have to add my honor and respect to that video. I mean, I have such a high regard for you moms. So thank you so much for what you do and all that you give all the time. And, and maybe it's not even your own children sometimes. I know I've experienced the love of other mothers. I've had, I don't know, three or four good moms in my life. I needed them. And so there's my mom. She's the little one. Uh, she was 5'2", and that's her sister, Mona. And Ramona didn't have six kids like my mom did, so she looks a lot, like, better, but she's older. <laughs> she's, actually, she's actually older so I'll tell you a little bit more about Aunt Mona as we go along. But my mom and my aunt, those two women, were the backbone of my life. And I say it jokingly, but I think it's true that I'm, I'm about as normal as I am because of them. You know, and without them, who knows how it would have turned out. But my mom was a constant comfort in my life when things were unstable in my home. And I had some instability in my home. So I'm going to share a little bit about that with you today. And some of you have heard this before, so sorry, but uh, some of you haven't. But mom was always there. She was always available, always that comfort that I needed when things weren't well. And so moms, I want to say to you today, never underestimate the influence that you have in the lives of your children, even when it seems like they may not appreciate it, even when it seems like they may not hear you, uh, they are, they're hearing you. 
And uh, don't underestimate that. And honestly, moms, you remind me of the Holy Spirit. No pressure at all. But, <laughs> but you remind me of the Holy Spirit in the way that you're always available and in the way that you're always comforting. And, and actually, Isaiah made this comparison in his book in the Bible when he said, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, says the Lord. So Isaiah makes this comparison of mothers to, to God himself. And he says that God recognizes the comfort that a mother gives and gives it that way too. So that's pretty cool, right? And then Paul, the Apostle Paul, echoed God's heart to comfort in 2 Corinthians 1 when he said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful or compassionate Father, and he is the source of all comfort. And I, as I jump in today, I just want you to remember that, that, that your Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, loves you and is compassionate about you and sees you where you're at, and he simply wants to bring you the comfort that you need no matter what you're facing or walking through today. Times can be really tough. Amen? Times can be tough, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expresses himself to comfort us in a lot of different ways. And I want to give you a few of those ways today as we celebrate this Mother's Day. Uh, Romans 8.26, the great Apostle Paul said this. He said, the Spirit helps us. He helps us in our weakness. When, when we are weak, he is strong in our lives. And we do not know what to pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes or, or steps in for our benefit with groanings too deep for words. So I grew up in a home. It was a, a great home in many, many ways, but I grew up really needing the comfort of my mom. Uh, she gave me what I needed. My mom and dad both loved Jesus, but my dad was more of an evangelist. He was pretty passionate. And I would say nobody really knew what was going on behind the doors of our house on Benson Road. Uh, my dad had some anger issues, and he had some control issues. Now, he was a great dad in many ways. He was a great provider. He was a, a great vacation taker. Loved to go on vacation, and we loved to go with him. He, he played with us. I, he had to chase the ball countless times as I would pitch to him. Um, but he had some issues. He struggled with some mental issues. And so sometimes when he was depressed or sometimes when he was in a manic episode, it felt like he was um, not available emotionally. It felt like he was not there for us and, and couldn't be. And in those times, my mom was the comforter. She was the one we would turn to. She was the one we would talk to about dad and say, how do, how do we live? How do we do life with, with our father? And she would listen to us with compassion. And then sometimes if she needed to, she would intercede for us. She would make things right with dad or she would, you know, speak up on our behalf to him, much like the Holy Spirit does. And I can still hear her voice when dad was getting loud or, or kind of getting out of control. She would say, now Wilbur, you know, and that was his name, Wilbur. Now Wilbur. I can still hear her, that calm, collected voice, all five foot two of her, as she stood up to an angry man sometimes. Uh, there's one example. It's a silly example from my life, but it's one I really remember. It really sunk in deeply. Uh, I was five or six years old, and, and this memory has to do with Saturday morning cartoons. Anybody remember Saturday morning? So some of my favorites, I mean, this is when cartoons were great, right? This was Superman and Aquaman and Johnny Quest. Remember Johnny Quest? He was like awesome. You got to go watch some of those. Go Google them, right? But these were like true adventures uh, adventures to watch and to enter into as a kid. And, but I'm pretty sure because my dad wouldn't let us have a TV that we were the only family in all of Linden that did not have a television. I'm sure. I'm sure of that. Well, lucky for us, my Aunt Mona lived next door, and she had a television. 
And she just loved to go sideways with my dad. It, it was, I don't know, family competition. She just loved to do things that would kind of tick him off a little bit. So Saturday mornings, my dad would get in his car, the green Buick, and he'd drive up to Deming, where he worked in the post office sorting mail on Saturday mornings. I knew this. And so when I heard the car leave, I'd come running down the stairs, running across to Aunt Mona's house. She would hand me the remote as I ran in. And, you know, those old click remotes, click, 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 right? And you had to turn the antenna. And, like, we got three channels or something. But, and she would let me stay as long as I wanted, which was about two and a half or three hours because that's when my dad came home. And we'd sit in front of the open curtains and we'd watch for his car. Benson Road had no traffic in those days. There was no school, no nothing. So one car would come back on a Saturday, the green LeSabre, and Dad would be driving it. And we'd run like the Dickens to beat him home so that he didn't catch us and whip our butts because he would. We would get in trouble for watching Saturday morning cartoons. That's how much, how deeply he felt about it. I mean, the fear was severe. I had true, true fear uh, to this day, when I watch cartoons, I'm like, where's dad, you know? Um, and it was, it was a real deal. And here's what it taught me. It taught me to run and hide from my father when I was doing something that he might not agree with. And I learned that as a very young child. But I want to tell you this this morning. It was in those times as a young boy, five or six years old, I remember in those times, not only did I turn to my mom for comfort, but I also began to turn to God. Because I knew that I needed the affirmation of a father. And in many ways, my father was unable to give it. And so I would literally, I would turn to God, my father, and look for the affirmation that he had for me as one of his children. I needed that from him. And I knew my mom couldn't give that to me at the level that I needed. And, and so in, innately, and I don't know how to, how to tell you how I did this, but as a very young child, I began to turn to the Lord for his love and his affirmation. And that's number one that I want to give you in your notes today. That's one of the comforts, probably the first comfort that God gives you when you receive Christ is that he affirms you as his own child. That's very, very powerful that you have a heavenly father that would affirm you as his own child. And you have all the benefits of being a child of the father. And Paul said in Romans 8, he said, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Catch this. This was the difference between dad and my God. Well, I mean, there's a lot of differences. But this was one difference that to my dad, I had this, this fear. But to God as my father, I didn't fear him in that way. I didn't fear punishment. I respect God. Don't get me wrong. He's all powerful. But I did not fear him. Like I didn't feel like I had to run and hide. Does that make sense? From my heavenly father. Now, there were times that my father, my earthly father, would get so loud and so agitated that I would run up the, the stairs, up, you know, the old farmhouse with the slanted ceilings. I own one today. I love it so much. I bought one. Um, but the slanted ceilings, I'd run up there and I'd pull the pillow over my head. Anybody else? Pillow pullers? Here, did you pull, the, pull your pillow over your head when dad got loud or mom got loud or you got afraid? I did that. And I would just want to block out the anger. I was trying to block out the anger. Other times I'd run outside, but then I'd be afraid that the neighbors would hear. And you know, we live in Linden, so you don't want your neighbors knowing your business, uh, what happens behind your doors. And so I learned, I just kind of, I just tried, tried to avoid my dad, honestly, when he'd have those times. Again, I love my dad. He's gone now. He's with the Lord. I love him. And, and in the 
Uh, my adult years, I made things right with my dad. I was able to have some good years uh, where I pursued him instead of him pursuing me. Um, yeah, I know, with a stick. Uh, but, <laughs> but actually, it was a bath brush. Um, anybody else? Bath brush beaters in the house? Okay. Hairbrush. Okay, yeah. Uh, to my heavenly father, though, here's what happened. I learned to press in to the comfort that only he could give me. I learned to press into that comfort that God had for me. And I remember that that's when I first began to identify with God as my heavenly father was in those early years as a child. And now at 60 years old, now at 60 years old, I'm very, very comfortable with God as my father. Very comfortable. I don't question his grace for me. When I mess up, as I still do, I mean, just ask my kids what I was like as a father, right? It, it, it goes on and on and on, right? But when I mess up, I don't fear. I don't, I don't try to run and hide from my heavenly father. I press into his grace. I know I need his grace at those moments. And, and he's not going to punish me because Christ took my punishment. But my heavenly father may, may allow me to experience the consequences of my wrongdoing. But he's going to accept me with grace when I run to him. So I don't have to wait for him to drive by and try to beat him home, I actually get to run to my heavenly father. And I do this now, at this age, at 60 years old, I do this when life gets loud. You know what I mean by that? When life gets loud, when, when you feel threatened by life, and we've been threatened the last couple of years, when you feel threatened by life or circumstances or, or you have family members that are you know, having troubles or, or, or health, health issues, whatever the case, when life gets loud... You want to be able to run to your heavenly father, right? That's what God wants us to do, especially when troubles come. And that's number two in your notes. The Holy Spirit loves me dearly as I go through life's troubles. The Holy Spirit loves me dearly. He loves you dearly as you go through life's troubles. Many times when we face troubles, we say, where is God? Where is God? Why has he abandoned me? And I want to tell you, he has not abandoned you. God allows us to experience the troubles that come in this life. It's the curse of sin that we live under. But he has promised us he will never leave us or forsake us. So in the midst of our troubles is when we find his presence the most deep we'll ever find it. It's when we press into him. It's when he becomes the most real to us is when life sucks. Sorry, parents. I said that. It's when life is bad, when there's troubles, and we press into him our relationship with him goes deeper than it ever could without the troubles. And that's one of the benefits that come with troubles. Romans 5, 3, it says, We can rejoice when we run into troubles, problems, and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Just like training for, I was a cross-country runner, I played football. Just like sports, you have to train. And the better you train, the better equipped, the more endurance you have, which is important, you know, in athletics. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. There it is. I want to say it to you today. No matter what you're facing right now, you have a heavenly Father that loves you dearly. And, and he is here. He's with you to fill your heart with his love. That's what God wants to do for you as you face troubled times. Now, I know that we all face trials we're all going through different things all the time. Uh, but I have a friend here named Nick, and Nick's going to come up and share kind of how the Holy Spirit has been his comfort as he's gone through hard times. Nick, come on up. 
Uh, Nick recently wrote a book. It's called Love the People in Line, which you can find on Amazon uh, for 20 bucks. It's excellent. It's the most inspiring thing I've read in a very long time. And Nick's been facing cancer for the last 18 months, treatments, the whole thing. And God has taken you deeper than you expected and comforted you more than you thought he would. Yeah. Share with us. Good morning. And Hi, Nick. Thank you for morning. <laughs> oh, there's nobody here. Good morning. <laughs> and thanks for having me. They're and, here. Um, I, I, want, I know what that's like. I know. Yes. I want to, but I want to thank you. As I start, I want to thank you in the church for the prayers and support. Uh, when I was in the hospital with surgery, I was kept getting these emails of somebody at North County Christ the King had prayed for you, and it was really um, comforting. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt supported in that. So I want to thank you for that. But I was diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer in August of um, 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, my original prognosis was six months to a year. And I'm in extra innings now, which Yay. is good. Um, but that's about right 12 months or more of chemo and immunotherapy and surgeries and stuff. So there's um, obviously painful moments. But there's people here I'm sure have suffered worse than I. I think the theme or the reason, and thank you for inviting me, is just that um, we all have problems and challenges. They are inherent with just living in this world. And there's a lot of great things, but there are certainly challenges too. And drawing close or feeling God's presence isn't so much us pursuing God intellectually. It's to know and understand that he's already there. And it's switching our minds uh, to airplane mode maybe and to try to minimize the distractions that are all around us that are constantly calling at us. And Living in the world does require attention. You, know, you don't pray with your eyes closed when you're driving the car. Yeah. You, you, know, you have to attend to the things. That's a safety tip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> note that. Uh, but you do need to pay attention and be engaged in the world. But to not be of the world requires us to spend time with God in spirit. And that really is just kind of adjusting our, our point of reference and how we're focusing and thinking. And then... Most of us, or I know anyway, I like to try to control things. I try to, you know, problem solve and create the environment that I want for my family and in my world. But then there's something that comes along and you really have no control over it. And there's a difference, you know, I surrender to God. I'm not surrendering to cancer. I'm fighting Mm -hmm. that as hard as I can. I'll work with my doctors. I'll do everything that's possible to stay vertical as long as I can. (laughs) But uh, being close to God has really just been accepting that he's there trying to quiet my mind, realize I can't control everything, and then to have a deep faith that God's picture for us, his eternal picture for us, is is good and is so much more important than the picture that we would try to draw or how mm-hmm. we might uh, things do things. I'll just share a quick story of something with... I have a son who um, was at college, and he came home and he had broken up with a girlfriend, and that was really a hard thing for him in his early 20s. And, you know, that's an emotional pain, mm. certainly a problem. And he was just really upset about it. And we talked, and, you know, I mean, I can't make the hurt go away. And I was trying to be a caring, loving father and stuff. So I went out to the garage, and I grabbed a tape measure, a 30-inch tape measure, and I pulled it out. And I said, you know, tell me in your mind how long a good life would be. And he said, well, like 90 years old. I said, well, let's just count out 90 inches. And I said, point to where you're at in your life right now. And he pointed to 20-something. And, and I said, now within that inch, you've got months and weeks and days and stuff. I said, point to where you're at right now and this feeling that you have, this experience. 
And he did. And I said, now, I'm not trying to minimize the difficulty or the hurt of what you're going through, but understand this experience you're having right now is teaching you about relationships, it's teaching you about loving somebody and being hurt and all of these things that are coming out of this. Now, what's your life look like in eternity in God's hand? How long mm-hmm. would this tape measure be? Mm-hmm. And he sat back and he thought and he said, well, it would go around the earth and then it would just keep going. Mm. And I said, so now it's not to minimize what you're going through. It's just look at what you're going through in the context of your life and then look at your life in the context of eternity. Mm. And we sometimes really get fixated on that thing that's right in front of us. Um, so much so that we just kind of lose our place. That I mean, I mean, not our place in the world, but our place in eternity. So God loves us enough that he sends his son to die for us. And that's this gift that we have. But then the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is Christ's gift to us mm. as he ascended. And yeah. so we have the spirit of God living in us, if you choose that. And then when you're facing issues, you also have the power of choice to look at it and be with God and look at it through eternal eyes or look at it and get all wigged out because it's just something that doesn't fit with how you want your life to go. Mm. So, you know, all of us are on that same journey. Uh, I have cancer. Somebody has something else. And I don't don't make light of that, but it also, that doesn't define my life at all. And it's not the end of my life, really. Mm -hmm. In the way that it matters the most, right. but I really have appreciated the support of my family mm-hmm. and uh, my church and people of faith mm-hmm. that have been come alongside me. I know some people it's awkward to talk to somebody who has a terminal illness, but if you don't talk to them, you're also communicating, and, right. and nobody expects you to be able to solve the problem. It's just it's nice to have somebody to hold your hand and say hi every now and then mm-hmm. when you're on the road. Mm-hmm. So I'll hold your hand. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't know if that's. Re- I don't know if I'm being responsive to what you want to do. You can always tell. You can always tell it's the second service, right? Yeah. So, Nick, um, practically speaking, what are some ways you have felt the Holy Spirit or sensed His comfort when you've been alone? Or yeah. Maybe, yeah. Well, there's one time that really. Um, sticks out in my mind. It was several months ago when um, I was going to the ER because my, I was, had an infection. And my wife has saved my life at least twice when I didn't want to go. And she said, you're going. So this is one of those times. And um, they had me in the ER and they were doing IV antibiotics and stuff, um, just to try to deal with the infection. Because chemo beats your immune system back and then you can get sick from just the simplest right. things that normally our bodies would deal with. Well, this was one of those times, and I was in the ER, and um, the nurses and doctors were doing their thing, and then they had me hooked up, and they left for a while, and Jen, had, Jen and my wife had to run out to the car and get something. And I, I thought there, you know, because you don't know with cancer and this stuff when your last trip is going to be to the mm-hmm. hospital. So I'm sitting there and not being super philosophical, but wondering about that stuff. And, and then I thought, well, who do I really need and what do I really want right now? Mm. I thought... And then I just felt, well, Jesus was with me, and I'm, oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was that simple, and I don't, I don't mean to be flippant about it, but, you know, Jesus is, holds our, Jesus holds our hand now, mm-hmm. and he's going to with us as we cross over, and then we're going to be with him forever. Yeah. And the people that you'll miss, you'll see again, hopefully. Yeah. And the people who are, have gone before us, we'll see them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, 
you know, when they say death has lost its sting, it's real. And so you can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in the middle of the storm. And it has to do with whether you choose to look at the storm and be drawn into the drama mm-hmm. of that, or in the middle of the storm, look to God, yeah. who's inside of you. Wow. Then that's the distinction, and that's where our free will is pretty critical in how we exercise it. It's how we exercise our free will as we walk with God. Mm. Um, last thing, and I'll say, I guess, unless you want me to talk more, but uh, <laughs> we sometimes feel like we have to compress or chase God through our minds to be close. Mm-hmm. It actually gets us farther away from him sometimes because it's sort of this intellectual thing that we're doing to try to perfect or organize or make faith happen. And it's more like air where there's an atmospheric pressure. And when you breathe in, that pressure is just filling your lungs instead of trying to force it. Mm. And I feel like uh, our pace of life and a lot of the things that we've invented to make life easier have also made life faster. And it draws us intellectually away from being at balance and centered. And God is a lot more about walking than running Mm -hmm. and, and being there when you invite him in and draw him in. And don't feel like you have to force it or press it. That's good. So I, I guess that would be something I would share. That's really good. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. And I just want to say on a personal note, I just appreciate the way that you have invited God to be with you and be your strength. And um, have not, you know, made cancer the thing, but made your relationship with Christ the thing. And how he's using you in the relationships that you have when you go for treatment, you know, nurses, doctors, what have you. And uh, God is using you to give them the comfort that you've received. And I love that about you. So thank you for that. Yep. Yep. So I think uh, I want to close with one more point. And perhaps I think the most important way that we can feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit is by believing, really truly believing that God sees us. He sees us in our problems and in our struggles, and he enters into those struggles that we're having. To really believe that's true about God uh, invites the Holy Spirit to meet you in those places. And one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 34:18, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There's another passage that, that Jesus said when he preached on the mount. And he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there's something about mourning. There's something about acknowledging the problem that you're having. There's something about saying, yes, I'm going through this struggle. And, and yes, Lord, yes, God, I need you to meet me there. And that's, that's kind of what we would call mourning. Mourning is, is like the acknowledgement of the pain that you're going through. And I see this all around me all the time. And this thing happened to me a few weeks ago where um, I believe that God showed up to comfort this young woman. Uh, She came up after the service. I was standing right over here waiting to pray with people. And I know this young woman, and she had gone through a divorce a couple of years ago, and, you know, it it had been a rough one. Um, There was parenting plan issues and ex issues. And, And just she was feeling beaten down this particular week. And she was just feeling like, man, I'm just up against it, and life is hard, and feeling very discouraged. And she's a great, a great person. So this is not her norm, right? She's more of a fighter winner. Um, but she was down. And so she came up, and she said, Pastor Kurt, would you pray for me? I said, sure. Anything in particular? She goes, no, I just need 
I just need prayer. So I said, sure. And I put my hand on her shoulder as I do and started to pray. And as I prayed for her, all of a sudden there was this scripture that came to mind. Doesn't always happen with me, but it happened this time. It was clear. And, um, and the scripture was very clear to me. And it was this one that Jesus said when he was getting ready to leave his disciples. And he said to them, because they were all worried about it, he said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Popped in my mind out of the hundreds and hundreds of scriptures I know. This one popped in, so I just prayed it over her. And I, f- I could feel her react to that scripture. And so I finished up praying, said amen, and, and I, I looked at her and I said, what, what happened? What was going on as I prayed that scripture over you? And she took her ring and she said, on the inside of this ring, I have that very scripture that the Lord gave me several years ago, and that has been my go-to scripture, and it's the one I think about, and it's the one I go to to keep me from, you know, you know, losing it. She said, that is the scripture that's closest to my heart, and you just prayed it over me. Now, you can go a lot of places with that. You know, you can say, oh, you just got lucky, you know, or, or what have you. Here's what I choose to believe. I believe that God saw her and knew what she needed, and in that moment, he entered in to her condition in a way that she needed and that she could understand. And it had really nothing to do with me other than just to pray the scripture that came to mind. But it was God who, who did the thing, right? And I love that about God. And I have seen this, I, I can't tell you, countless, countless times over my lifetime of the way that God loves to be near the brokenhearted and loves to, he sees what you're going through, he sees you. And he, he knows you, he knows what you're going through, and he loves to enter in to your condition, whatever it is. And I think it really has to do with whether, whether we believe that he wants to do that. And so I guess the question I have for you today, just to make this very personal, is what has broken your heart? This girl came up, her heart was broken, spirit was crushed, and it's okay to experience a crushed spirit. Jesus did in the garden. He said, my soul is, is sorrowful unto death right? When he was facing the cross. And so I guess I would ask you this morning, because it's so healthy to acknowledge um, what has crushed your spirit? Uh, what has been hard for you this week? What, what has broken your heart this week? We had a tough week as a community. We lost a young woman in our community that it's been deeply impactful uh, for many, many, many people. It's been hard. And then a couple of weeks ago, we lost our friend Bob. You know, Bob's Burgers and Brew. And we've all loved him, right? And, and so, you know, we go through these times where we suffer these losses. And I sometimes wonder if we just blow through them without stopping and saying, acknowledging the pain and saying, Lord, um, even if I didn't know this person that well, there's a bunch of people that do. And I want to pause and acknowledge that in this moment. And, and so I'm, I'm asking you today, maybe it's your family. <clears throat> maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe, maybe you fell from sobriety this week. Uh, I don't know what's happened in your life, but I guess I would say that, that God would want us to stop and, and just remember, like the girl who I prayed for, that he sees you, he knows you, and he wants to enter in today to whatever it is that you're struggling with. You know, recently I was with a young couple just last week or two weeks ago maybe, and they, she had just miscarried. So they had this, this pregnancy. They were so excited. I know this couple very well. They were so excited. 
And all of their joy, right, was placed on the future of this baby. And every week the baby was growing a little bit, you know, and, and they were telling their kids about it. And they had named the baby something. And, I mean, it was just this crazy, joyful anticipation where in a matter of a day or two they were thrust into this deep sorrow. And, I mean, there was some severe grief. And so my wife and I were out walking a couple of days after, and we were just talking about this because we lost a baby. You know, it would have been number three. It would have been uh, Lucy or Lucas. Those were the names. And we would have had a Levi, Lindsay, and Lucy or Lucas, right? And Gwen was saying to me, you know, honey, I've, I've never forgotten. <laughs> and I have days where I wonder what this child would have been, what they would have been like, how we would have enjoyed them. And, and she goes, I trust God. I know it's sovereign. But yet, right, yet we suffer those sorrows of the losses. And I know because I was talking with staff people about it this week, I know that there's at least four other couples on our staff that lost babies. There's, there's probably a hundred uh, women in the room that have lost. They say uh, like 20%. And so we, we need to acknowledge that. I'm, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to say that we need to acknowledge that God is here for us when we go through our deepest struggles and troubles in life. And what God says to you today, no matter what it is you're facing, here's what God would say to you. I see you, I know you, and I choose to enter into whatever it is you're struggling with. Whatever it is. Is it troubles in business? Is it a, a, a child that is, has gone astray? Is it <clears throat> health issues like Nick? Is it, you know, what is it in your life that you are suffering? So God comes to us personally, and like Nick felt Jesus in the room. God does that for us, but he also does it through one another. God wants to use you. God wants to use me to be the comfort that somebody else needs. Uh, Paul continues the scripture in 2 Corinthians 1. He says that God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You know, the fact that we're together in a room like this on a Sunday morning is comforting. There are people in this room today that simply needed to be with other Christians. That's it. They just needed to hear you sing. They just needed to see your face. They just needed you to be here. So thank you for being here. They needed you today. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I needed you today. I needed to be with my family today. And we provide comfort for one another. You know, again, last weekend, it, or last week, it was Bob's memorial. Uh, next Saturday, it's going to be uh, Kylie, Kylie's memorial service right here in this room. And there's going to be people gathering to experience the comfort of being together and the comfort of just expressing this was painful. This is painful. And so we do not want to underestimate the comfort of God that we bring to one another. Do you know there are people in my life that regularly, day after day and week after week, comfort me? They comfort me. They, they encourage me to, to keep fighting the good fight. You know who you are. There are people that have made it their, part of their goal in life to come alongside me and to comfort me and to encourage me. And I'm so thankful. And so I guess I want to ask you today, do you need comfort? Are you here today and you need comfort? You know, we're here this morning to say to one another, you are not alone. I may not know you, but you are not alone. And I want to invite the band to come on up, and we're going to close with one more song. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you to do something very bold and courageous today.
And, and you may feel a little bit awkward. Okay, let's just get that out there. Pastor Kurt's going to make you feel awkward today. Lock the doors, please, back there. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <clears throat> I'm going to ask that if you're going through something really hard right now, a loss, a sorrow, something that's really troubling to you, that you would just stand. And I'm going to stand because I am going through something troubling uh, for me right now. And so I'm going to stand with you. And if that's you today, I want you to stand. And, and my point of this is I want you to notice in a moment how many people are here for you. That they're not going through something incredibly troublesome right now. But you are. And next week it could be them. And next week it could be them. And so this is the picture that, that we're here, but we're not alone. And there are others who may be strong right now for you because you're experiencing trouble. You're feeling vulnerable in your life. And now I'm going to ask everybody to stand because you've gone through something of trouble in your life at some point, right? You understand trouble. You understand pain. You understand heartache. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the opportunity to enter into fellowship this morning. This is, we're a community. We are a family. We're a family. Again, you may not know each other, and this may be awkward for you, but I'm going to ask you to do something with me this morning that's very powerful. And before I say what it is, I'm going to say, you, feel free to say pass. <laughs> feel free to say pass, okay? I understand. But if you're willing this morning, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to sing it as a prayer for one another, over one another. You don't know what we're going through, what everybody's going through, but you can pray. So we're going to sing this song as a prayer. And if you're willing, just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. No hugging, just shoulder, okay? I know. I, okay, Evan and Chelsea, you can hug. It's fine. <laughs> Again, my intention is not for you to feel awkward. That's not it. I want you to experience family. <laughs> I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want you to know that God uses one another to bring comfort to one another. So if you're willing to do that, if not, I totally get it. And let's sing this song, sing it over one another, and then I'm going to come and pray and let you go, okay? Let's sing. <clears throat>